round three of the Lunk Communique, although this might only be round two on the website. We had a little problem last week, and we're hoping that it comes out a little better this week. And uh, it's holiday time, so Merry Christmas, Happy Solstice, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you practice, whoever you are. We had our first... Festivus. Uh, Festivus. For the rest of us. So we had our first feedback on the... Sh- we had our first feedback in response to the first show, and uh, somebody want to talk about that? Uh, shout out to Louise. You are awesome. <laughs> our our listener. Thank you. We <laughs> have at least for, one. For but paying attention. We have at least two more. Come on, Monty. <laughs> oh, no. Now, who, who did... No, 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 seriously, but what, Louise actually had a suggestion for us to start a show around. Well, she would like for us to be talking about the Christmas and the many consumerist aspects of the Christmas. What are the many consumerist aspects of the Christmas, Brian? <laughs> well, there's definitely a lot of advertising trying to get people to buy things, a lot of advertising directed towards children because they will nag their parents into buying them things. Um, there's just every Christmas season, there's just this um, trend that you go out and you and you buy as much as you can. It's basically it's just part of, our, of the American culture. Buy more than you can. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. It's, it's funny, too. I mean, I was watching uh, the comedian, Louis Black, recently, and he was sort of a nostalgic good old day sort of thing. It's just, you know, when I was a kid, Christmas was Christmas, and Halloween was its own holiday, and Santa Claus wasn't sticking his fat ass into it. We didn't actually do our introductions. Uh, uh, my name is Monty, and uh, that's Jackson. I'm Jackson. This is Andrew, Brian, and we're jo- we've been joined on and off by Sheba the cat, our <laughs> mascot, <laughs> who wanders in and out. Because so, he's a cat. so Santa Claus didn't used to stick his fat ass into. What does he mean by you, that? You know this whole idea. I mean, the Christmas season seems to start earlier and earlier every year because it. You know, we've been sort of programmed into going into this hyperactive consumerist. Explosion, just this feeding frenzy as soon as the Christmas music starts taking over radio, commercial radio stations. Sheba wants out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Status report. <laughs> Sheba is outside. Christmas, okay. Christmas. And you know, it's just like. Sheba uh, is now in. And on the chair. <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> you can see that we're really having a tough, boring time this afternoon. Well, maybe we should talk about why this is a tough subject. Because <clears throat> the thing is, none of us none of us here are religious in any way at all. So it's it's difficult it's difficult as much as we would like to to defend Christmas from something. <laughs> and Christmas is is consumerism. Yeah. So it's kind of difficult for us anyway to separate 
like what what we should be celebrating it for from what it's being accused of well, becoming. Do, do, do we even do you guys celebrate Christmas? I mean, I mean, I mean, my family celebrated Christmas, and I think there is a case to make for a secular yeah. Christmas. I mean, it's it's just sort of an end of the year celebration. You get together yeah. with your friends and your family. And you get a little bit of time off from work if you're remotely fortunate. Obviously, a lot of people don't, but yeah. I work for the state, so I get a couple weeks off. Well, in my experience with my family and extended family, uh, you go to church for Christmas, you put up some tacky knickknacks, and you thank God, and that's your religious holiday for you. <laughs> Most of the time, you're just hanging out with your family, presents, food. It's always... In my family, it's always been basically a secular celebration. We never, there was never really any religious aspect to it. I wasn't raised to be any religion, so I don't, <clears throat> I don't ever really associate it with religion at all. There was never any. We never. I mean, we we celebrate it still, but there's no there's no religious aspect mm-hmm. whatsoever. There's no there's no there's actually no real consumerist aspect whatsoever. We put up some pretty lights and we eat a lot. Yeah. That's about it. And I have a Christmas tree in my house, but that's not... Well, some people think that's a, a Christian tradition, but it's not. Any, that's another tradition that is traced back to the Yule, the pagan Yule Festival. So it's, it's, it's not like all of these symbols that we see are overtly Christian symbols. They were kind of co-opted by um, the Christian celebration. But they're not inherently Christian symbols. So I don't know. I, I don't... I guess there is... You know, my parents always had a hard time scraping up money to get presents for everyone. And I think that's the way it is with a lot of families. A lot of people... It's a hard time of the year for them because there is this... this uh, um, trying to keep up with everybody else and trying to make your children happy and, and make sure that you have enough money to, to buy a gift for everyone. And it's it seems like that the holiday really has been commercialized in that respect, that it, it, it it's become a, a holiday of purchasing and buying and not one of just spending time with your family or people you care about. It's about buying stuff. Now, I just heard this commercial that... I'm not going to specify the store, but they said, come have your Christmas cheaper in our store. At Walmart. <laughs> there you go. It, the branding worked on Monty, obviously. I just made it's, a it's, guess. It's so obvious. That's how everything works, though. Yeah, and there is... there. I I do think that there there is... I mean, Christmas time is considered the time when... When it's okay to be an ultra uber consumerist, it's like during during the rest during the rest of the year you're supposed to sort of not be consumerist. Like like it's it's like, but but still you're but still like. For those of us outside of New Orleans, Mardi Gras is December. Yeah. That's our big month-long party when we come out. Well, it's almost if, well, it's almost yeah. if as, as though like consumerism is like you're supposed to be consumerist all throughout the rest of the year, or you're not supposed to be. And I don't really know how to explain this. 
I mean, I, I would sort of say, though, it's just, I mean, there are these competing interests. Obviously, there is this particularly sort of a middle-class fixation on, on frugality, on being, you know, being intelligent and rational and, you know, resisting impulse buying. But at the same time, and obviously that's that's an important impulse for someone who obviously exists in a world that's finite, in a world where it's difficult to make ends meet. But obviously the on the other side of the things, obviously the the marketers, the advertisers are trying to tell us to consume all the time. You know, you need to have you know, you can't you know, you can't keep clothes year to year. You just get a new wardrobe every year. Yeah. You gotta have the hottest product you gotta have the biggest, clearest high definition T V. You gotta have you gotta have a Blu ray player, man. Yeah. The, I mean, is, is the picture? I mean, the picture might be twenty percent better than a standard DVD, and you'll spend five times as much on it. But I mean, you'll, you'll get the girls, man. <laughs> if you want, if you want to impress the ladies, you got to have the Blu-ray player. No, if you, you want gotta girls, have you got to drink beer. <laughs> Beer's the way to go. Well, that, that seems to me. You drink beer for Christmas, uh, of course, while watching <laughs> Blu-ray. But that, that that seems to be the definition of, of consumerism, at least for me, is basically this belief that we can that we can sort of buy happiness and that our possessions will make us happy, which isn't the case. I mean, you see people, like celebrities, for instance, that have unlimited, basically, an unlimited amount of resources and money to use, and they those people are not happy. Well, we, to be fair, you can buy happiness. It's called methamphetamine. <laughs> I'm talking about real happiness, lasting oh, happiness. You're, you're, talking not, about, you're talking about ecstasy. I'm you're not, not talking, talking about speed. I'm oh, not okay. talking about uh, happiness that can be bought in an artificial chemical-induced happiness that will wear off. I'm talking about... I mean, I would actually make a case for chocolate here. <laughs> that is the same chemical you feel when you're in love. Yeah, but those aren't, those aren't lasting... That's not lasting happiness. That's a chemical-induced euphoria that wears off. And so you eat more chocolate. But but a, a case in point... Not if you have an IV of liquid <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> a, a case in point, though, is, is just the fact that people that have money and people that can buy anything that they wish... Those people cannot buy their way to happiness, and consumerism is just this this belief that's um, that's presented in in advertisements is that you buy this product it will make your life considerably better. When really all we need to be happy is the the essentials. We need the necessities, and then you know, everyone needs a, a certain amount of distractions. But but uh, just this idea that that we can buy our way to happiness, I just think is, is, is that's what defines consumerism. And the thing that the thing that's really just ass backward about it all, I mean if if you think you need to have a sixty inch high def if you need to have like a ten thousand dollar home theater or you need to have a thirty thousand dollar car, if you need ha- if happiness has a five digit price tag to it and you're working class, and you've got a crappy job, you end up working a second job to pay for that happiness, and you end up spending so much time at work that you don't have time to play with your flashy new toys. All of this is very good and very valid and very happy and very nice, but I want to get this... I want to get something really quick out of the way, which is something that Jackson 
was talking about when we were originally talking about this subject in one of our meetings at our coffee shop meetings, which is every second Saturday. every second Saturday of the month at, at the coffee house, which is I don't know where Thirteenth and P Street mm-hmm. somewhere next to BW Threes under the big sign that says Coffee House under the big sign that says Pan- Panache. Panache. Okay, okay. No, they have a big new flashy sign. Ooh, fancy. We're, 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 we were agreed that we weren't going to do advertising. This seems kind of like an advertisement. Well, we're trying to we're trying to draw people to us. We're not trying to draw people to drink coffee. Oh, back, no, we, back room. I don't think we would be ashamed to to plug the coffee house. It seemed like a pretty, I would. pretty good establishment. They have really good drinks that are not coffee because I've never had it. <laughs> the fair, the fair trade coffees. What was were you talking we can about? stop advertising for the coffee house now. <laughs> I want to keep doing it. Consumerism no. is bad. Second coffee house. Usually we wouldn't advertise, but this time of year, you know. Second Saturday of the month, 2.30 p.m. So I was going to bring up what I think is an interesting idea that Christmas is the time when it's okay to be a consumer. Now, Well, it's okay. The thing is, it's like it's okay to be a consumer every other time of the year, but I was having a little difficulty explaining what my thought was, and I think I'm just going to ignore it and go on to what I was talking about just a second ago, which is that Jackson had Jackson informed us all at that meeting of an interesting little historical fact about Christmas consumerism. What what is that, Jackson? Well, I was I was reading in the the Daily Nebraska and a few weeks ago now it was there had been a, a Christian girl who rat, wrote a rather propagandistic piece about the war on Christmas, and it was talking about. You know, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't just sort of the secular humanists trying to change the official greeting of Merry Christmas to the more open and ecumenical Happy Holidays, but also it was about how commercialization was destroying the religious roots of the holiday. And in response to it, uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours named Alex Ramos, who was affiliated with us through the Lincoln Secular Humanists, and uh, he's a senior, he's a graduating senior in religious studies wrote a rebuttal to her that was printed as a letter to the editor saying that, actually, um, no. I mean, you know, secularists didn't destroy Christmas. You know, consumerism, I mean, consumerism saved a dying holiday. You know, in, in Western Europe and in the then, you know, colonies of Western Europe that later became independent and became this country... I mean, Christian. I mean, the Christian impulse. I mean, there was an attack on Christmas within Christianity, especially from Protestant Christianity, who saw the holiday as basically, who basically recognized the pagan roots of the holiday and how the Catholic Church had co-opted those pagan roots and said, "There's nothing. There is nothing Christian about this holiday." And sort of the debauchery of it, of course, goes against that Protestant impulse of. Indulging in anything. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Christianity has an attitude of if it feels good, stop. Yeah, but the Catholics at least get to indulge and then confess their sins later. The Protestants, when they lost confession, they lost the ability to have fun. Yeah, Christmas and the Catholics get to whip themselves, which (laughs) actually kind of makes me want to be a Catholic. (laughs) Christmas wasn't even celebrated. I mean. If you look at most of the people that came over initially to the to the to the country, they were Protestant or not Protestants, but the Puritans. 
uh, who were Protestants. Yeah, were Protestants. Fanatical Calvinist yeah. Protestants. And you, uh, and you see that the, the the Christmas holiday wasn't even celebrated in the United States until I think it was around like eighteen quarter like quarter way into the nineteenth century, and a lot of that had to do with popularization from uh, Charles Dickens' novels. In but, other words, uh, it was it was a matter of secularizing and yeah. commercializing the holiday, which rehabilitated it yeah. to the Protestant Christianity that had come to reject it. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, a lot of a lot of what Christmas is is just a lot of borrowed pagan traditions, and uh, the Puritans were, were vehemently opposed to the Christmas holiday because they saw it as blasphemy, and basically we just have a, a lot of. Uh, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? There's just the holiday was was basically it, it actually was outlawed in the United States. It was illegal to to celebrate the holiday until you know eighteen twenty around there. And again, again, I think it's important to stress we're we're, we're talking about people who criticize the consumerism of Christmas based on defending religious beliefs, as in like it's about baby Jesus and baby Jesus and those things. And that's what it should be about and not all these all of these buying stuff and crap and, and there is things and Yeah, there's this sort of I mean, religion there's a sort of religious right reaction that wants to, the first of all, I mean, wants to enshrine Christmas, you know, not just try to try to un, try to turn the clock back on this more ecumenical happy holidays, which is taking over in mainline America, trying to roll it back to Merry Christmas, and then also to roll Christmas back, make it explicitly Christian, to make it explicitly yeah. and exclusively yeah. Christian. Yeah. Of course, rolling it back to something that didn't really exist. Yeah, if you look at the origin of the holiday, it was, uh, I mean, Jesus wasn't even born on December 25th. It's just incredibly unlikely. Most scholars and, and historians recognize that fact. Well, this it, was, it was chosen <clears throat> because that was a way for the Christians to make the holiday fall on the same date of, you know, the Saturnalia and then the, the birth of Mithra, the two popular pagan religions that were around when Christianity was just getting started. This brings up an interesting point, which is kind of cultural memory when you talk about the origins of Christmas and it being contaminated by secular influences. It The whole concept is a cultural memory of something that never really existed. But that 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 is what we are in particular talking about right at this moment. I mean, we obviously we are all secular, and we still criticize Christmas for being ultra consumerist. So it, that's a that's a different it's different things. But we're, we're, we're we're talking about yeah, we're attacking more con- consumerism in general yeah. rather than the holiday. I, I think that we all agree that Christians and any religious well, I, person should be free to. To celebrate whichever religious holiday they choose, it seems most people, most people, secular or non-secular, criticize the consumerism of Christmas. Yeah. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't a big deal. And in fact, it, it was kind of an issue on whether or not we should even discuss it on the shows, just because this show is kind of made 
to cover things that aren't usually covered. But I think that simply what Jackson had to talk about regarding the history of things and reality, not everyone can afford these toys. But what I think is interesting happening. when we're talking about the consumerist influence is obviously um, Christmas is a season where it's it's okay to throw all in and go for it. And the rest of the year, you get some ads that sort of will will talk about a product as a guilty pleasure. Right. That you're you're indulging, even though you know it may be a pinch. But during Christmas, it's not even a guilty pleasure. You just go all out. It's just expected. It's just you should give us your money. I think it sort of goes back. I mean, it's it's almost. I mean, it's almost like an examination sort of that, that, that Catholic tradition of Lent in this country. And, you know, you see the way it's manifested, you know, in places like New Orleans, where, you know, you're, you're expected to be, you're expected to fast for 40 days for Lent and give up, give up your sins of this or that. And I forget, is, is Mardi Gras at the beginning or the end? It's at the end of it, isn't that? Yeah, I believe so. You know, you, you sort of... You live ultra pious for forty days, and then you get to have a real big party and let it well, all out. You've been out. a good boy and girl all year, and now it's time to really go for it. So consumerism is your reward, pretty much. Sounds like a good trait, right, guys? You, you deserve it. You deserve to come to our store and buy a lot of things you don't need. Okay. <laughs> it's an interesting um, psychological approach to reach your consumer base. I think the holidays for people that are in the working, you know, the the middle, lower class, the working class, uh, it hits them the hardest because there really is an expectation, you know, from from children to get all the toys and everything that their friends are getting, that their peers are getting, and then there's just the reality that not everyone can afford those things. That's also another thing, because, like, the other... All the rest of the time of the year, like, you're still you're still treated as a consumer. You're still supposed to be a consumer, but, I mean, during Christmas time, you have to consume for the people you're giving gifts... 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 Presents for. And if you don't get... Little Billy, his mogwai, then <laughs> he 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 won't. He, he, then, then you are then then according to him, you are a bad consumer, and then you get attacked by getting the water on him and getting attacked. And <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting. That was a wonderful little uh, Gremlins analogy yeah. there. <laughs> but it's an interesting chance to be evaluated by your peers on how good of a consumer you are, and it brings to mind sort of the. The Santa Claus legend. I mean, you, um, your parents, they're expected to shop for the Santa Claus figure who, in theory, can't afford or procure any sort of good. So you have exceedingly high expectations of your parents when you believe in Santa Claus. Well, they can get you anything. So on top of what people may already be getting you, uh, you're, you're hoping for the best from Santa Claus. Well, what we're really sort of talking about here is a is this I mean it's sort of a time old part of the sort of American consumerist capitalist consumer 
thing. And it's it's the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. And when you get into December, and when the Christmas music starts blaring in all the department stores, that keeping up with the Joneses mentality goes into overdrive. It goes completely bonkers. And I'll, I'll go back to Lewis Black here for a minute, because he said another sort of interesting thing about this. I mean, J- Lewis Black grew up in a Jewish household, and he talked about how he became alienated with his with his Jewish religion. And he, he sort of credited in part to how he got really crappy presents for Hanukkah. Like, my parents, we practiced Hanukkah. They gave me a top. They called it a dreidel. It was a top! <laughs> and, you know, my I always wanted to celebrate Christmas. My neighbors, they were Christians. They celebrated Christmas. And they just have... They just have every toy in the world stacked up in their living room, and there'd be there'd be six ponies in the backyard. He goes, and the, and you know the the neighbor guy would be like, well, you know, we we wanted to get we we wanted to get just one, but we really couldn't choose between them. But hey, Merry Christmas! <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was the comedy stylings of Lewis Black as interpreted by Jackson. <laughs> If you would like, to I think that'd be really sad to listen to myself doing this later because that'd be a really sad. I'm gonna start copy, plugging you Lewis Black now. <laughs> Lewis Black for Christmas. Buy it at Walmart. You don't have to watch it now if you listen to this. But I mean, there's what way is there really of combating it as the society is still in the state that it's in? As long as it's still this this pursuit of individual wealth. How can we? How can you change consumerism and change holidays like Christmas or Winter Solstice or whatever? Well, I think it's there's two essential elements I see in the consumerism is the marketing campaign is uh, what they want us to do, and the public psyche is what people are pursuing. And when you see people who have everything and they're on television and they're extremely happy, uh, you get that in the public psyche and. Well, if you just buy enough goods, then you're going to have a great Christmas. This this sort of takes me back as far as seeing things on TV and misinterpreting them as reality. We were sort of talking about this a few minutes ago. It's this mentality, you know, sort of conservative reactionary mentality. We just need to we need to turn back the clock to a golden yesterday. And it really, and a lot of times, this golden yesterday never existed. These people tend to have very little to no sense of history. And as an example of it, I mean, about you know, there's a lot of you know aging baby boomers in this country who sort of look back to that golden age of purity that was the 1950s, and it's just it, it, had, it had it had more to do. You know, with the fact that when you turned on the TV, the married couples slept in sexless twin beds. You know, they weren't even allowed to be photographed in, on TV in bed together. Or, you know, you know, these sort of, you know, this sort of historical ignorance. You know, you know actually, the, the 1950s were the peak years in this nation's history for teen pregnancy. Of course, back then, there was such a taboo on it. If a teenage girl became pregnant... She got to spend a summer with her aunt to have an abortion or to visit or to, you know, give the, you know, bring the child to term and quickly get it adopted so that, no, so that your neighbors never got to see how there was a teenage, a pregnant teenage girl in the neighborhood. And I think it's, it's important that TV has really brought this into everyone's home 
But you talk about literature and fantasy, and we can go back to feudal era, and what do you see, I mean, on television today, on in the commercials, you see middle class people. You see people that are reasonably affluent. Not quite even, often. not even middle class. Aristocratic. You you never see sort of the dirty, nasty, grimy serfdom. You don't see peasantry. You see, I mean, you see handsome, gallant knights and princesses in long, beautiful dresses and immaculate skyscraping castles. And you know, it's sort of sort of the caste system. Still, you you go back and you look at. The nobles. You look at the the king and the queen and how great their their family life is, and you're obviously not dealing with the people that are propping up those that are well to do. You're looking at the the upper echelons as they want to be glorified in history, and you see that in fascist regimes and people who romanticize those things. They're looking at the people who are well to do, and I think we still see that advertised in our media today. At what point did the religious people? St- stop creating the consumerism and start bitching about it? <laughs> At what point did that occur? Did that switch over? Sheba? <laughs> Roger I know, Sheba, and I think it started in 1542. <laughs> I, I don't think that there's Chat ever food. religious people that manufactured consumerism. I, I just think that you have a lot of conservative religious people today, like Jackson said, looking back at this non-existent golden era that just never was and they want to return to those days and they see they look at what's causing uh, this degradation of the holiday and they they attack people that are non-religious they attack and the consumerism they're just looking for something to to answer why their 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 Christian holiday is is not given the respect that they think it's due. We're coming up on the midpoint here of the program. You're listening to The Communique on lunkradio.org. Andrew had something to say next. Well, I was going to say, I think it's kind of a convenient political agenda to look back at the golden era because we're talking about people who aren't educated in history and didn't know what happened. So when it comes to authority figures, you're... For, for the religious people, the, the priests, the, the, perhaps the political figures that speak to their agenda can tell them what the golden era was like, can tell them what they want to bring society back, and uh, probably have a lot of ideas, and when it comes to consumerism, can sell you what you need to get back to that golden era. And one of the privileges of writing the history books is taking certain liberties with your narrative and there tends to be a political agenda behind doing that. I mean, obviously emphasizing, you know, notions of religious purity is is a very convenient way of trying to promote your own agenda of trying to impose more theocratic-oriented laws on the state. And that's definitely what they want, is they want... They want to see more of a more religious symbols in the public sector, and they want to see more of uh, a special special attention paid to Christianity because they feel that 
this country is a really a Christian country when it's it's not uh, the people that founded the country were not explicitly Christian. A lot of them were heavily influenced by Enlightenment ideals, and and were a lot of them were deists, and that's why we have you know in the First Amendment in this country we have the separation of, of church and state, and I think that's because the people the framers were aware of the dangers that come from the entanglement of, of state and church. Wouldn't you? I've got to say, though, I've, the more I thought about it, and I, I would love to see some, some, some case studies done and some historical studies done on this, and maybe I'll have to do them someday when I have my PhD in history. But I would, I mean... Honestly, I mean, you like, you like to credit these these founding fathers for just being giants of liberal thought and sort of. Well, they weren't, but but no, no, that, no. I think that's one thing that they got right. That but the question is, the question to me is not. Is the question to me is why? And it seems to me, obviously, when you have English colonies populated largely by Anglicans, and let's take. I mean, we'll stop. We'll just describe the Church of England here just a little bit for the sake of my argument. The Church of England is basically a Catholic church that recognizes the King of England as their Pope. Now, if you're trying to lead an insurrection to break these colonies away to become their own separate country, and you're taking up arms against British soldiers, is it going to erode your credibility when your Pope is com is ultimately commanding those troops that you want your neighbors to take up arms against does allowing for the i mean if they if we had allowed for the creation of a state religion in this country it very likely would have been anglican or a split off of anglican of the church of england so and how does that i mean how can you that even might, how can you even maintain a separate <clears throat> independent country when your pope is the ruler of the country you're just trying to split away from that, that might have been most of or part of their their motivation, but that seems to be that something. Well, it definitely is something that's essential to keeping a republic is to separate the powers that religion have like, away from the powers that that government have. Because the, if you don't, there inevitably will will be the formation of a theocracy. What do you think? So I mean. There are state religions in most of the Scandinavian most of the Scandinavian countries have established state religions, and yet they have an order of political democracy and of individual liberties that really puts ours to shame. I don't. I don't know if. I don't think that. Uh, Here's the thing: Brian thinks religion causes all things bad everywhere throughout the whole universe. And <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Bull crap. I wouldn't say that. I would say that. Sheba. For whatever reason, the, the Scandinavian you. countries have been, there's been a, a predominance of, of liberal thought and most of them evolved into social democracies and, and the public became aware of, of, uh, of Well, they, they of, evolved into social democracies or generations of workers fought and died well, to yeah. build social democracy. Religious or not. Religious yeah. or not. And how has that 
address the uh, issue of commercialization in Christmas. Well, we're going off on a tangent. We're not even we can't talking about that. We're just talking about how Brian is full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you really think, Monty. Sheba thinks Brian's well, audience, a godless bastard. Our audience of Andrew's friends are really going to start thinking we're ganging up on Brian. And okay, what? well, we'll tell you. Why later. don't we address a specific part of the audience here? No, um, I, what I was going to talk about what Brian was saying and. What what that is, I believe, Christianity in addressing Christmas is uh, privilege. I mean, when you want your icons around and you don't want anyone to have any ability to say anything about it or detract from your views, you want a special place for your religion in society, a special role, that's a, a sort of social privilege for your ide- ideology to be prevalent. And you talk about... Uh, wanting this to be a, a Christian country, what you want is special status as a person, a special form of social privilege in the country. Well, I, I'm not... Okay, I'm not saying that the framers of the Constitution or, or the founders of the country were, were were really anything that great. I mean, if you look at what they were, they were privileged aristocrats that uh, were... Most of them were slave owners, and, and they built the society to be what it is today, which is a... Uh, a society divided by class distinctions and a society based on private ownership. And um, But what they did get right was that they hated baby Jesus. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is, if, okay, let's say that this country, which uh, was founded in the, in the First Amendment, we have the, this, the, the uh, First Amendment clause against or for the separation of church and state, if that wasn't there, don't you think that the United States would have taken a different turn toward more of a of a theocratic society? You don't you don't think that 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 First Amendment clause is beneficial at all? Well, I mean, obviously, it's certainly beneficial at least on paper. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to play too much in the alternate history game because. I mean, ultimately, it's all speculation. Well, yeah. Because then you end up becoming your own grandpa. The First Amendment is is important for for keeping a certain amount of or keeping neutrality when it comes to the government and religion. I think that it's I think that it's that's a good thing. I think that in any society, you want to make that distinction that we're not going to allow the church to have any sort of authority. Over the people. I mean, the people that willingly believe these things that are religious, they have the the right, the human right to to follow their religion and practice their religion. But we should not allow um, a group of believers or the church to be any sort of authority. Well, it certainly sets a precedent, but it doesn't talk about anything like uh, monetary distribution or what? setting bills for. Uh, faith-based initiatives are involving religion. Well, yeah, I mean... So it just, it sort of happens. It's a continual struggle, it's nonetheless. Another, it's an, I think it ties... I think what I... I think there's a subject that ties into consumerism, and that is the manipulation of religious beliefs for ulterior motives, and that, I think, would apply to the way that politicians sort of pander through, like things like what you just said, faith-based initiatives, and, I mean, something that, something that 
something next. Something that liberals, something that liberals always accuse the right wing sort of Republicans for is that they they let their they let their they let their in particular uh, fundamentalist Christian beliefs drive all of their politics. How, uh, how true is that? Well, I mean, I would say I mean, in the first place, I mean, really, it's it's the corporatist wing of the party that really calls most of the shots and makes most of the decisions. Obviously, they get most. I mean, most of the smoke gets blown on the religious wing of the Republican Party, and most of the fire is in the corporate wing of the Republican. Well, party. when you examine it, the the corporate interests are educated. They care about what the actual policy is. <laughs> And uh, when you're talking about blowing smoke, uh, the religious right likes to hear a good sermon. Religious right? But I was just going to, I was going to say it on another note. I mean, and I, I, I will never pass up an opportunity to bash on the Democrats, and man, did I get a good one this week. When Barack Obama picked... Rick Warren to do his inauguration what? invocation. Yes. What? Rick Warren, religious right preacher extraordinaire. You know, basically maybe maybe now more or less what Jerry Falwell was twenty five years ago before he really rose to superstardom. Rick Warren will be doing the inaugural invocation for President Obama at his inauguration. You know, this and, and in case you've never heard of Rick Warren he is a fanatical right-wing, anti-women's health, and very, very anti-gay marriage. He's compared gay marriage to incest and to child molestation. And this is the guy that our liberal savior <laughs> wants to do his opening prayer. Here, here's op- here is opening prayer from when he's coronated. Glad month. you voted for him, Brian. <laughs> Aren't you proud? Oh yeah! And it was just—it was just. I was already—I already was disillusioned with, with Obama before I voted for him. It was just another one of those moments for me where it's just, yep, we've got ourselves another Bill Clinton, folks. Um, also, Fred Phelps is a Democrat. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. And I am never ever going to give up an opportunity. But, but Dem- Democrats claim at least to be pro-choice, and that's one of his main things that he's... He's always... He, he's, he's run in... Um, wherever the fuck he lives. Oops, <laughs> did I swear? Oh, damn. Phelps, Phelps is in Kansas. Well, he, he ran for, like... He ran for a bunch of positions in, like, the 90s as a Democrat. He ran for Senate, and he ran for mayor. He ran for... Uh, he ran for a bunch of things, and he and he supported. How do you know all this about Fred Phelps? Um, Wikipedia. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> no, but it's it. I mean, it it was from like news sources. I mean, if you're gonna believe the news, well, yeah, you have to was, believe that, then don't you? He's he uh, he ran. Yeah, he supported. I, I he supported. He supported Al Gore in the 1988 primaries, and he had a fundraiser for Gore. Which uh, Al Gore's son attended, and Al Gore people don't like to talk about that. Apparently, <laughs> can't imagine why. Maybe we should talk about. Um... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. 
you can't necessarily stick the Democratic Party with Fred Phelps any more than you can stick him with another whack job like Lyndon LaRouche, who's consistently registered as a Democrat. But it's you mean any you mean you mean any you mean any the, more than people like to stick Stalinism with communism? Right. But the, the point is, well, as I'm, long as long as people do that, I'm just going to remind people that uh, you know uh, Fred Phelps is a Democrat. <laughs> You. But yeah, my my point is that I mean, the, the point the basic point does still stand that the Republican Party does not have a monopoly on pandering to religious wannabe fascists. Mm. You guys are looking at me like I'm the resident Democrat or something. Well, your your name is Mud. Since well, this thing you voted for Obama. You voted for. Why is there a D on your forehead? You voted for Obama, and you are you are you are also the resident rabid anti-religion guy. <laughs> and here's Obama doing his thing, and I'm not. Up? I don't like Obama. I don't like him. He was the best of the worst. He was the best of the worst. He was. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so does that mean does that mean that McCain would have would have gotten like what Jesse Jackson? I don't. I mean, who would have McCain got to uh, balance that? Probably uh, Dawkins or uh, Harris. Is that is that the comparable <laughs> thing? Who who should you have voted well, for, the, Brian? The point, the point is, I think McCain probably would have wound up with Rick Warren too. I mean that just that just goes back to I mean basically my my fundamental bias is just wh- what's the difference between these two? Yeah, bastards? I mean also, also serious seriously speaking, seriously truly. either either way we're fucked. <laughs> yes, God damn it, I'm swearing. Fuck you. <laughs> we're gonna have to do a lot of editing on this spot. Eat shit and die, liberals. <laughs> Fred Phelps is a Democrat. <laughs> we're gonna have to edit out the discussions and just leave those. You parts. will never. Ever forget it? Maybe we should have an actual Democrat on the show. That way, Brian will have someone to pick up, <laughs> and we can actually address their arguments. Because I'm sure they would want to counter what we're no, saying. Then I wouldn't be here. <laughs> we'll take your seat, Monty. Yeah, that's what I would hope for. <laughs> Monty might strangle them mid-show. We can't allow him in the room. I mean, we can ha- we could well, allow him to sit in the room, but well, you, should, to, you should you should allow a Democrat in. Get Fred Phelps on to, the phone. We'd Ooh. have to put one of the. You'd probably put handcuffs on you. We'll probably one of those. Yeah. Bringing a Democrat. Yeah, in. We'll roll Monty in with the Hannibal Lecter mask. Yeah, that's what in. I was thinking. <laughs> oh, Obama, your mama. <laughs> well, I I think the show is pretty much over I think, now. I think that there's. You know, I've I've heard of a lot of activists in the Democratic Party, liberals being becoming disillusioned with this person that they thought was going to come in and be a, ch- a champion of uh, progressive yeah, and ideals. Those people and, are morons because what were they expecting? And he's he's brought a lot of people in. I mean, his, his cabinet is pretty atrocious, really. Yeah. You know, talking about you know talking about cons- you know talking about continuity and bipartisan consensus. You know, when George W. Bush took office in 2001, he made, he had Condoleezza Rice under his shoulder as national security advisor after she'd sat on the board of directors at, I think it was the board of directors at Chevron. And now here comes Barack Obama. And 
who, who's his national security advisor? Okay, so Jim Jones, retired U.S. Marine and board of directors at Chevron. So they say, yeah, Chevron stocks the National Security Administration regardless of which party is in office. This is like Bash Obama Part 2. Well, it's, it's just a oh, little... Well, Bash Obama will become an annual... will become does a weekly Obama, segment on does this he show. Ce- does Obama celebrate Christmas? I'm sure he does. Doesn't it, doesn't it just kind of make people... Besides people that are privy to it, I mean, shouldn't shouldn't more people be aware of the fact how much corporations play a role in government? You have a lot of these ex-CEOs in, and people that had high-paying jobs in corporations and then going on to be involved in, in politics well, and government. Well, Brian, I mean, how would our plutocracy ever function well <laughs> if people actually knew what was going on behind the scenes? <laughs> there's one there's one thing that people don't often talk about regarding consumerism and that is that human beings are products. They just are. We are we are things to be bought and sold just in our society. Nobody ever talks about that. You want to talk about it a little more? I want you to talk about it, because I don't know a damn thing about it other than what I just said. So, <laughs> Sheba! Sheba! I own Jackson, do you want to talk about the workforce in the Army of the Unemployed? Sheba own Jackson! That's, I, that's something for another show. I oh, don't, okay. uh... It's, I mean, everyone is aware of it, at least to some extent, that we do sell ourselves, sell our labor... In order to live. live on the streets, to, yeah, yeah. In order to live, and and even that is not enough because a lot of the people that are selling themselves, selling selling their labor to employers, it's not enough to get adequate health care. It's not enough to feed their families. It's not enough to have a place to live. And the 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 minimum wage that the Democrats recently raised uh, a, a small amount. Yeah. That's not. It's still not enough for someone to live adequately. It's not a living wage. If you look at what the state of Nebraska determines as a living wage, it's like nine, nine dollars and eighty cents or something like that. And our living wage or our minimum wage in this country is still like eight dollars or seven dollars. It's yeah. I, I think it might be going up to seven fifty. I don't think yeah. it happened yet. So, so human human beings are products to be bought and sold, and that. As much as people complain about how how consumerist our society is and how you know how all Christmas is taken away and blah blah blah, but it's just all about products. It's, it seems like there's this fundamental thing that if you're going to criticize any kind of consumerism, you have to start like with us with capitalism. Yeah, I mean that's what that's consumerism is capitalism. It's just the ability to make people purchase products when they don't really necessarily need to. It's, it's really even just simpler than that. I mean, cap- capitalism is just about converting every tangible and even arguably intangible thing on this planet into a commodity. Now, that's, that's, sort, of a, that's sort of a textbook term. What is a commodity? A commodity is something to be sold. And, that, and that, capitalism is about converting everything real, and actually a lot of things that aren't real, into <laughs> commodities. As we have found out recently. With the bailout. <laughs> like, just... Like, every... People don't... People... A lot of people don't understand that that means everything. That means... Everything. It's... Your, your thoughts are ideas. 
to yeah, be it, intellectual property. Intellectual property, is, and you know, as Your I DNA. said, human beings in DNA, which they are currently yeah, we, apparently. You know, yeah. it's, on, on the one hand, it's almost exciting. I mean, certainly the scientists are very happy to be mapping the human genome. That's a huge thing, and that's kind of great. But the thing about it, obviously, with the people who run this planet. Mapping the human genome is just a baby step toward copywriting the human genome. Being making the gene that makes good eyesight something to be bought and sold. And most and most people, particularly the liberals, Fairfield is a Democrat. Uh, <laughs> that that they they don't seem to really understand is that when when, when they talk about consumerism, they, they always just stop at 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 just. This commercial is influencing little Timmy to want a Power Wheels, and that's bad, and we shouldn't be harming the children. That that seems to be a very surface thing. It's I mean it's a it's a valid argument to talk about how children are indoctrinated into nagging their parents into buying them toys that they can't afford. I mean that's that's a perfectly valid argument, but. I mean, what Monty's saying, what I do agree with too. It's actually a as as grotesque as that is. That's actually a rather superficial crime of this capitalist. System. And the problem, and 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 that that problem I was just describing, the commercial trying to get to little Bobby, Timmy, I don't know, Tommy, Tommy, Andy, Bri Bri, Jackie. <laughs> Go on, but bon we got it. We uh, is that you know it. That problem isn't going to be solved uh, until there there are some drastic, extremely fundamental changes in how the whole entire world is operated. You're, you're not just going to say, "Oh, you know, I mean, oh, well, let, let's 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 ban uh, cigarette commercials from TV." You know, okay. let's let's ban toy commercials from Saturday morning cartoons. Of course, you know, these advertisers, they'll find a way to get around it eventually. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, and it's just, you know, they talk about how, you know, how it's sort of a race to the bottom in this capitalist system, and it is. But the thing is, when the name of the game is to convert everything in the world, real or not real, into a commodity, and then make a bunch of money by selling it, I mean, these sort of liberal reforms are ultimately just... You're trying to like tie an, you're trying to tie an arm behind this capitalist's back. Eventually, you know, and you know the first capitalist who finds a way to race even further to the bottom and unbind that arm is going to make a killing, and it's going to be copied by all the, all the other capitalists because the game is still about selling commodities. Fundamentally, addressing these sort of problems. It, it sort of has to start with challenging the notion that everything on this planet is something to be sold. We started the show off with quite a depressing subject, and wow, it just gets more and more miserable every minute. We're in a race to the bottom of our own here. I, I think, I think, our how only much time do we have left? We've got another four minutes or so. I was thinking maybe we can take a little bit of time to talk about because you guys were talking about you know, Democrats versus Republicans or liberals versus conservatives and, and how in this country, especially on right-wing talk shows, 
liberals or Democrats are often referred to as the left. Right. When, in actuality, if you're looking at it on a political spectrum with the left being socialism and the right being laissez-faire capitalism... On either ends, you mean. Yeah. The Democrats are, in this country, they fall almost dead center on their not left or right. That's kind of, yeah, that's... On that on that simplified scale, it's, yeah, it's kind of an interesting statement on indoctrination, and I'm going to paraphrase Chomsky here because I really think he nailed it. Where it's just this idea, it's kind of convenient. Say like say the editorial page of the New York Times is the extreme left wing of political opinion, even though it's really right smack in the center of a political spectrum by any political science definition. Yeah. And, of course, the inference, then, if you're to the left of the New York Times editorial page, and the New York Times editorial page is the end of the world, then you're just a goddamn lunatic. You are out of your fucking mind. You are fucking batshit crazy. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean... Well, we're about ready to wrap things up. Well, our views... (laughs) Our views aren't given any... That's the reason why we have the radio station, we have these shows, is because our views aren't given any sort of credibility. They're not, we're not allowed on the air, because if you're going to talk about actually changing the, the system that we live under, it's like, that's, that's lunacy. How can you even consider it? And so, because of that reason, because most of the public is indoctrinated to view any sort of uh, left-wing view as something evil and something, you know, like uh, like uh, authoritarian communist, something like Stalinism. It's just it's just completely banned from any any discourse. Well, the idea the idea is is that well, in in particular, communism communism always leads to Stalinism. And if you think otherwise, then you are just a naive little kid. Grow yeah. the hell up. Yeah. And you know that you know these these sort of thoughts. We're we're really starting to run out of time here. You know these thoughts can really sort of lead you into a bleak, depressing, very nasty place. Hello. And certainly, <laughs> and certainly, you can almost you know you can almost go as far as having suicidal thoughts if you think about this stuff too hard. Hello. <laughs> but you know, getting the noose ready. Every. You know, every every entrenched system of power has this veneer of immortality to it, this veneer of indestructibility to it. And you know, ultimately, you know, these systems they do eventually crumble. You know, it's and I'll sort of I'll sort of paraphrase Gandhi here to take us out. You know, you know, first first they laugh at you. You know, you you want to see you say you want to change the world. First they laugh at you. Then they fight you, and then you win. Uh, I'm I'm not going to commit suicide any time soon because I know that I live in a world that has Jackson's pretty kitty cat in it. <laughs> and we are out of time now for Andrew, Brian, and Monty. I'm Jackson, and we'll see you next week if this thing records right. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>